Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Wait, check that. Matt Connor on vacation. Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football as well as Fantasy Football Astronauts, will be joining us today. First off, Daniel, how are you doing, my man? Oh, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. It's been a been a tough day. My wife left for another little week trip down in Louisiana, so I get the little one for the next seven or five days by myself mm-hmm. once again. Not the month that I had to do, <laughs> but you know, I, I make do with what I can. She's preoccupied at the moment, but I'm sure she'll make a guest appearance every now and then. So if you don't know Daniel, he is a incredible film analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at inharmsway19. Great breakdowns, great videos. We also have him on the my radio show all the time on ESPN Kansas City. So I told Daniel before this, you can cuss. We have a counter that a lot of people oh. like to listen to. It's the, it's the fuck bomb, F-bomb <laughs> counter. So if you drop a word... It's okay. You're fine. We don't All have right. to bleep it on here. We're look, dude, we drink beer on this show. We're fine. We do drink beer. We're cruising. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things I want to get into. First thing I want to touch on is the Tyreek Hill situation, the podcast that he is dropping, the teaser that he posed. I feel silly bringing this up, right? Because it's something where I'm like, Tyreek Hill's in Miami. He's a dolphin. Mm -hmm. He is no longer on this team. And my main thought is I don't care. I I, I don't care because he, he is no longer a part of the Kansas city chiefs. I can respect and appreciate everything that he has done. And at some point I'm still like, he wants to do his thing. He wants to promote his podcast. Great for him. But it's been such a uproar. People keep talking about it. They keep asking me, people in the media, they keep asking everyone, well, what do you make of this? So I feel like we at least have to touch on this. What was your reaction with this whole Tyreek Hill podcast teaser? Yeah, it wasn't like – it was like, okay, Tyreek's got a, a podcast he's going to do. It's a good name for it. I guess it makes sense. Things have to be said. I feel like that's a good thing for athletes to be doing, talking about things that you think need to be said. And then we get the whole lead into it. And the biggest thing about the whole it, it, the whole issue was me like, okay – Tyreek's not addressing anything. They cut it off right before he could say anything at all. And it was just the host answering one of the most dumbass questions <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. When you watch the Chiefs play, we all know the offense flows through two guys, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. 
That's it. That's what it is. It's what it's been. Even into the Alex Smith days, he was throwing bombs at Tyreek Hill down the sideline. You'd think he was like this guy that asked the question. I don't know what was scripted. I don't know whether it was Tyreek's intention, which I would imagine it probably was, because we, we do know now that he had, you know, he addressed the question. He said that he his stats weren't what's the word they used up. Well, he he also <laughs> said he liked getting people's panties in a bunch he likes the drama yeah, right. he, he wants to pump those podcast numbers up right we know what he's doing here oh yeah there's a huge everybody and the way that it happened a lot of people were taken by huge surprise by the Tyreek Hill trade and the whole drumming up to it obviously the Chiefs come out later and say well we we did offer him a contract and then when basically I'm under the impression that his agent was hearing rumblings about Devonta Adams and he was like Hey, yo, Tyreek, chill. Just wait because you're going to get an offer from Kansas City and you're going to say no. And then you're going to get the bag, which he did. Good for him. I'll never, ever tell athletes not to get your bag. You play football for a short period of time. The elite of the elite deserve to get that bag, period. But he knew after the uproar that happened with the Chiefs fans in Kansas City that all he needed to do was to drum up a little bit of intrigue for this podcast reveal of his. And what, what better way to do that than to ask a stupid-ass question that, everyone's, <laughs> that everyone and their mother will have an opinion about. So it's great publicity for him. Good job on doing that. And, I mean, um, whether it was a script or not, the question was stupid, period, because yeah. we all know that his stats were not – he got the ball. He was funneled, funneled the football, <laughs> period. End of story. This is about the last I'm going to touch on Tyree Kill. He's no longer Kansas City Chief. I think you and I differ a little bit here, but to me it's also like the Tony Gonzalez situation. I'm over it. Yeah. I'm over the whole Tony G going to Atlanta. I understand why he did it. It did not work out for Tony Gonzalez. I think some of his context, some of it or some of his words were taken out of context. Mm-hmm. I'm still a big Tony G fan. Still like Tyreek Hill, but he's no longer in Kansas City, so I don't feel like we have to keep touching on it. Andy Reid, though, was not very happy. Oh, no. Andy Reid, oh, when asked, um, calling folks shock jocks, I think it was kind of disrespectful, personally, what Andy mm-hmm. Reid said regarding this. If you want to be mad at someone, be mad at Tyreek Hill. Don't be mad at people in the media who, when this is a story, when this is something that we are getting asked about, don't just dismiss it. If you want to say, and in the question that was asked, he had an out. Andy Mm -hmm. Reid was basically asked, I don't know if you have heard what Tyreek Hill has said. He could have said, I haven't heard it. Yep. He could have said that. Instead of calling folks out, calling them shock jocks, I thought that was very, very poor taste from Andy Reid. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I also maybe he had like seen a little bit about it. Um, maybe he knew that there was some uproar, but he didn't know what it was. So coming at it from Andy Reid's perspective, if again, if he takes it like you do, he's in Miami. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Period. Like I, I just don't have any interest in it. Then there's a little bit of intrigue with well. You guys are just trying to get a rise out of me, and they did. They effectively got a rise out of Andy Reid. He could have said that, though, and I would have respected it. If he would have said Tyreek's in Miami, he is no longer a member of this team. We respect (laughs) what he's done. I'm okay with that. But calling folks out for questions that a lot of people wanted to know about, and we know Andy's heard that. Mm -hmm. We know Andy Reid heard Tyreek Hill's quote, okay? Oh, for sure. For sure. He would have gotten mad about it if he didn't. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, before we go further, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor. The Arrowhead Attic Podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. KC Beer Co. is the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City and the only brewery in KC to focus on German beer styles. Nice. They brew their beer according to the German purity law of 1516 using only four ingredients, malt, hops, water, yeast. I mean, guys, we've been doing this every single week. Casey Beer Co. is incredible. I'm drinking the Hellas Lager. It's my favorite beer from Casey Beer Co. outside of the Carolator, which I'm pretty sure you can only get at Casey Beer Co. Um, we talk about it all the time, but it's because it's true. They make the best beer in Kansas City, the best beer, period. They win awards in Germany for their German-style beers. No, no American beer companies are doing that. So... If you have a chance, get some Casey beer. And again, we always love it when you guys tag us, post on Twitter. It means a lot to us. It means a lot to them. It helps keep this partnership going. So thank you, guys. Uh, Let's get back to it. I kind of want to touch on the defense first. I I really want to touch on the defense. And I want to start with Edge. Is this the plan? Is this what the Chiefs are going to roll with? Or is there something waiting in the wings? Do you think a potential trade is is in the works do you think that they're waiting for roster cuts to get down and hopefully a veteran that can make an impact on this team becomes available because let's be real here the chiefs weakest position group is edge Mm -hmm. even though they are taking someone else's scraps that scrap could still be an upgrade for this unit what are your thoughts here so let's go back to last year where effectively they decided to try out chris jones at defensive end that tells me they're pretty comfortable with their situation right now that they don't have any plans as of now to really try to get somebody. I know that there's other players out there, some guys that might get cut around training camp time. When cuts come down, you have some swirlings about trades. Uh, The biggest guy out there, I think that would make an impact and actually could help would be Ryan Kerrigan. You could bring him in and actually help mold a guy who I think, is likened to him a lot in George Karloftis. It would make a lot of sense to get a guy you can mold him into. Maybe you try to get the best out of him that way. But this is this is June June 7th right now, and Kansas City's just like, nah, we're good. And yeah. that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. We, we've seen how bad the defensive ends position specifically has been at getting pressure, consistent pressure, and getting home to the quarterback. While they had better uh, pressure numbers last year than you would think based on their total sacks converted, it's not good. They're unable to really get off those those blocks. Frank Clark has to have like a renaissance this year. Basically, they, they've 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 said we're putting our chips in a rookie. Three really unknown guys. Mike Dana is a, a really good rotational player. Can give you, give you some juice on rushing uh, rundowns. He's more of an effort based defensive end in the pass rush department. Then you got Joshua Kendo, a fifth round pick last year. Malik Herring, an undrafted free agent who was dealing with injuries all of last year, recovering. And then you have Frank Clark. Like, what, what are they going to do? I, 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 This is a, a throw your hands up in the air situation. You're hoping that Colin can come in and maybe get the best out of them. He can scheme up that defensive front a little bit, maybe. Uh, but you're, you're really putting all of your chips on Frank Clark being the best he's ever been in Kansas City. And what do we have to say that that's going to happen? Yeah, there's so many unknowns here, so many things that have to go right if this is the way Kansas City is choosing to go. I don't know if this screams that they have faith in Malik Herring and faith in Joshua Kando. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this means they think Frank Clark with a smaller contract, right, with the restructure, yeah. with what he's doing, if this means 
they think the pressure is off him and it allows him to perform better, maybe without the bullseye on his back. I don't see how that would really make much of a difference. Yeah. And maybe that's the way the Chiefs are feeling. I just don't feel comfortable to what is currently happening. I really like George K. You and I have kind of gone back and forth over the past, I guess, ever since the draft on George yeah. Karloftis. Um, I think the main reason why I'm enthused by him is he's a day one, game one player. He's a guy you can mm-hmm. plug in place and you don't have to worry about it. A, a guy with a high upside, you might have to wait, I don't know, half a season, a full yeah. season before you get any impact. Chiefs need someone now and George K is that guy. I'm just kind of confused on which way they're going to go. Does Leo Chanel, does he get any any run at edge? I think that could be a potential possibility, especially if you're going to go, you know what, Frank Clark at this point, he can set the edge. He's first and second down. George K is playing three downs. Maybe if you want Dana on first and second down, then Leo Chanel comes in on the on you know rushing downs to get to the quarterback. Is that something you think could be in the works here? If that's going to happen, we're counting on Steve Spagnuolo to do something he's never done, which is use an athletic player at defensive end who's not necessarily your set the edge and really collapse the pocket kind of guy. From his tape at Wisconsin, they blitzed him a ton. It was basically you can get to your spot in some of your your zone drops, but what we want you to do is go after the quarterback. So whether that was blitzing through the A-gaps, whether that was coming off the edge, he has – multiple reps in my opinion to show that there's some actual bend there there's some technique that he could use as a pass rusher but if you take him away from being a true linebacker and really split that time in my opinion you're doing him a disservice because maybe next year is different maybe they need him at linebacker now he has to kind of relearn everything on top of that and if they if they have an injury at linebacker and he's forced to now be a guy who is off ball basically the whole time say willie gets hurt obviously knock on wood we're just not going to have any of that nonsense come on daniel you have to to figure he's probably the guy that would slide in right there as the next athletic guy okay that's what he the profile he presents and if you're having him basically learn edge most of the season his mind isn't in one place the whole time. So I think that it would benefit him to, while you should he should learn some pass rush techniques and, and stuff like that, keep him as that sandbacker, blitz him at, from time to time, but also really develop that coverage aspect because I think that he could be the next guy on in nickel downs if he really rounds out that coverage part of his game next to a Willie Gay and poss- or maybe even next to Nick Bolton, if they want to do three linebackers, it's going to be interesting with the, how they use him, but he does have, in my opinion, pass rush upside off the edge because there's technique there. There's also some bend and some athletic ability along with his explosiveness. So I think that there's a possibility they want to do that. But again, we're counting on Steve Spagnuolo altering his plan. And in my opinion, by selecting George Karloftis in the first round, he does not have any plans to alter the way he sees this defense. Who are you more enthused about? Malik Herring, Joshua Kando, uh, potentially someone else. But as far as the developmental pass rushers go, is there one that stands out to you? I know I see a lot of people like Chris on on Facebook right now saying don't or uh, YouTube right saying don't sleep on Malik Herring. I've seen a lot of people who have been very excited about Malik, but I feel like we haven't heard a lot from the yeah. Chiefs side of this. What are your thoughts here? he's the unknown, the the most unknown player at defensive end right now. You kind of know, at least you've seen some reps from Joshua Kando. You have a little bit to go off of there. Obviously, he got hurt last season and was unable to really make it back. Mike Dana is what he is. I don't think you're going to get a bunch out of him. So you're not looking at a, a great season from him. 
uh, Malik Herring was probably going to be a day two guy coming out of Georgia, about 280. So he's a big physical dude. He actually doesn't look 280. He's like, you know, Evan, you guys have seen pictures of Evan Neal at the combine, 330 pounds. Dude looks like he's maybe like 270 at most, but they hide it. They wear it differently. Malik Herring wears his, his weight very well and it's distributed. So you're hoping that he can have some of that ability to pressure off the edge, but there's it's a huge unknown. And really, when it comes down to, he's more of a power player. So we're, we're also putting our, our chips in another basket with Herring that he's going to be more of probably what Frank Clark was at his peak. The guy who can really set the edge, collapse that pocket, and then disengage from these tackles. I'm personally a little bit more hopeful that Joshua Kando has a better season because from what I saw on his film, there was more athletic upside. And while he didn't know while, what he was doing at all while he was at, <laughs> at Florida State, he was just kind of out there and run, running them around and kind of just go after the quarterback kind of situations. He flashes times where he gets it all right. And when you, when you find those clips of guys just getting it right with the first step explosion, the technique, the manipulation Texas, and the kind of a little bit of bend and cornering that Kando has, that's what you can get a little bit of excited about. But it's hard to really to really know, again, with these projections, he's a fifth-round pick, when you have developmental stages that are completely distorted at Florida State. Like, look at Janoris Robinson. He was another hugely athletic defensive end who just didn't develop there. And then right, we haven't heard from him. Kando was his, his teammate there as well. So they haven't done a good job of developing guys. And those are key parts of playing in the NFL is that development in college. So it's really hard to know. The Chiefs, to me, this upcoming season, you kind of mentioned the versatility is way different than in past years. I think there's a lot of different guys that you can look at and say, well, Leo Chanel, for example, can get after the quarterback. Chris Jones can do a lot mm -hmm. of different things. Malik Herring might be able to play inside. Uh, Willie Gay Jr., Nick Bolton, they all have different roles that they can excel in. Uh, what's it? Brian Cook, right? From mm -hmm. the safety from Cincinnati. Yep. He can do a lot of different things that you're like, okay, uh, Legereus Sneak can play both inside, outside, and can occasionally get after the quarterback, which we've, which we saw. Yep. Are, are, are the chiefs going with a more kind of like the golden state warriors in basketball, white, right? Like positionless. I know it's not going to be the same because football, basketball, there's a lot of different things. Yep. You're not going to, there's two different, too many different things and scenarios. You can't put a safety at defensive end or at, de-tackle and expect to have results. But do you think this is more of a positionless defense that we'll see this upcoming season? I don't think so, mostly because we've seen what Spags wants to do with specific players. I think Brian Cook is going to fill that third safety role that they want. I think that Leo Chanel is a Sam right off the start, and then you can learn to really move him around and blitz him. So at the really what Spags wants to do is kind of play this while it's positionless, it's not positionless because they're, they have specific roles in his defense and his style. Like, go back to Kendall Fuller when they, they brought him over from Washington. He was a corner. Spags is like, yeah, but no, you're really more of a guy I want to drop down and, and be a third <laughs> safety. And that worked out for him. So they have players that fit specific roles. And I think that they selected those guys strategically on purpose that fit exactly what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do in the defense he wants to run. It would benefit them to play more fluidly, to play a little bit more cover three, to play a little bit more cover six, cover seven, things like this that would actually help use the, the all the different defensive backs that they have. But as we know, change is not within Steve Spagnuolo's range of outcomes. I mean, they did try 
Chris Jones at defensive end. Then mm. they were like, no, let's put you back where we know you're good. And guess what? He started to be really good again. Like these, these things that, that, that they work and they just, they have this, he has an understanding now that with specific players that he likes. And I think, I truly think that Brian Cook is going to bring what Dan Sorensen brought early on in his career with the hard hitting, the downhill run ability to get in the run game, but he's got more coverage ability than I think Dan Sorensen ever had and more versatility. So that's, I'm excited about that because you can really use some of these safeties in a positionless way. You can rotate all three of them in and out. And then you also got, you know, Lonnie Johnson, who has some safety experience, but he's mm-hmm. also got corner experience. So the safe, the secondary room is going to be interesting how it plays out because there's so many different matchups that they could bring in. And so from that aspect, I think you could definitely assume that while it's positionless, it's not at the same time. The physicality of this defense is going to be something we have not seen in Kansas City for a long time. This feels like a shift. Uh, I've talked about it before, and not just with the offensive line. That's where I think it started with the finesse players. I'm not saying finesse Mm -hmm. is bad. Mitchell Swartz was a finesse right tackle, and he was one of, if not the best right tackle in football during his peak, right? I'm not saying finesse is bad, but this team is getting more physical and defensively. It's very, very noticeable. They had a lot of investment at linebacker. Leo Chanel writes death row on his arm. That's a psychopath (laughs) move. You love to see. I mean, George K, right? That is not a finesse. That's a guy with no bend, but a guy who gets after the quarterback just being a bully, right? This is a Brian Cook. That's a big safety, a physical safety, a dude who can lay the wood. Are you liking the Chiefs going from a more finesse style of team to bringing or at least trying to bring on paper a more physical approach? Yeah, if you remember the Super Bowl run on defense, they – they had to kick up their physicality a lot. And I think that that was part of the reason they brought Frank Clark and Matthew in because at that point in their careers, they were all about talking that talk and then walking that walk. Cause Matthew would come in and he would eat for a guy, his size, he would make those hits too. Clark, you know, they all talked up that run defense against Derrick Henry. They did a great job of shutting him down in that playoff run. Absolutely great job. And then they won the Super Bowl, And then they were like, wait a minute we don't have to do this anymore. Like we don't have to play that hard. That was, that was no fun. (laughs) It felt like they didn't have much fun doing it because they didn't bring it back. It's not just a a talk. It's a mentality. These young guys have all of that mentality and they have the need to really prove themselves because you and I have talked about George Karloff this. I guarantee you he's heard the, there's not much upside there. There's not a whole lot there outside of just a power guy. That can drive him to be a not just an effort player, but and a guy who can improve in his first season a lot. And, you know, when you're young and the defense around you is, is taking shape, because right now it's, it's in flux. There's a lot of different things that can happen with this defense, and they can make an impact on this defense with youth, speed, and physicality, because you have Justin Reed now with Juan Thornhill, Brian Cook. That's a very young, fast, mm-hmm. downhill kind of safety group that has multiple different aspects. You bring in... Trent McDuffie, who, for being a smaller guy, has no issues coming down to the run game and being physical and attacking and tackling. He loves to do that. Also, Leo Chanel, the dude, just, <laughs> just, it's like a, he's like a wind up toy. You just like wind him up and then just say, go get the quarterback. He's going to go hit somebody. So, this, the way that they're developing the defense, in my opinion, is going to set them up to establish an early mentality of, look, we're going to go balls to the wall. Whether we miss some tackles early in the season, that's probably going to happen. You're going to probably see quite a few missed tackles 
learning the game and adjusting to those angles and the speed of it. But come midseason, you are going to see some absolute bombshells of hits. <laughs> and I cannot wait until the speed of the game catches up to these guys because it's going to inject you uh, not just speed, but they're going to have fun. And that should spread to just everybody in the defense. So I'm excited about the future of this defense with the youth, the speed, and physicality they brought in. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be S-O-L if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recording is locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm i not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Well, let's go there then. How much should we expect in terms of growing pains defensively with all of this youth, with all of the changes? Do you think it's going to be a typical Steve Spagnola slow start? Or do you think that some of the athleticism early on can at least make up for the maybe lack of not knowing where to be exactly? Maybe, you know, at, we, Dan Sorensen was supposed to be the – typical nowhere to be guy and he was getting torched maybe justin reed maybe brian cook don't they don't know where to be as as well and then in a more different more difficult schematic defense but because they are so athletic they can make up for some of those early season struggles 
So you can you remember the the Eagles debacle last year, right? Week five or week yeah. four was it? Which one? Either one of those things. Where it was a shootout when it shouldn't have been. They were just scoring touchdowns left and right. That's kind of how I'm envisioning the first half or the first month-ish of the Chiefs season. The defense is going to have some trouble. You have lots of young guys that are going to be playing key portions. I believe they, they, they completely drafted three starters. Well, really four starters if you consider the third safety a starter. They drafted four guys that are going to play significant snaps this year. They brought in a new, you know, Justin Reed is still new. He's still a young guy. It's his brand new system. There's going to be a lot of times where you're just thinking, what the fuck? Like, you're just like, <laughs> what? what is he doing? And we're all going to get hot about it like we all did mm-hmm. last year. We, I, I know multiple people were calling for C. Spagnuolo's job. They were. And I have my own feelings about C. Spagnuolo and his inability to change. But there's one thing that we know about Steve Spagnuolo defenses is that by the end of the season, they are running on all cylinders. They figure everything out. They they match up the guys that they want. They finally started Juan Thornhill at free safety. And look, the big plays kind of kind of took a downturn. Like they just didn't happen as much. So as much as it is a feeling out process for the rookies, it's even more of a feeling out process for the staff trying to figure out exactly where the best fit for each player is. And around, I, I'm going to shoot week seven mm. because there's a lot to go through. Like I said, with probably four guys contributing very early in their rookie seasons, there's going to be a lot to parse out and not to figure out. But I think by week seven, you're going to see everybody in their prime position. And I'm hoping that with the new vocal majority that they have, I, I think that Reed's going to be a huge impact on, on that. I think that Nick Bolton can take a step forward in his leadership as well. You help. All of that and really can as much as Anthony Hitchens didn't, in my opinion, I don't think he was the the best leader in that defensive locker room. I think that they can have a, a more impact with youth and you have your leaders on defense already. They're they're set in stone. So they're veterans. They should be able to do that. I almost agree with Mr. Schwump more. He he says two-thirds of the season before the defense really figures it out. Yeah. And and honestly, I, I think I might Can't be leaning that way too. So Full transparency, my initial before the season starts, we're, we're middle of the offseason. The Chiefs go to 11 and 6. I think okay. the AFC West is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of splits. A lot. I think the Chiefs win the AFC West, but I don't think it's going to be some easy road by any means. The Chiefs schedule is brutal, and there are so many new pieces for Kansas City. Doesn't matter. As yep. long as you are like you said, firing on full cylinders when the games matter most in the playoffs, that's what really matters. And typically, speaks about Steve Spagnuolo defenses have done that. I do think, though, the athleticism will shine through at times early on. While there will be guys out of place, at times we will see mm-hmm. Willie Gay Jr., like you said, Nick Bolton. Yeah. Uh, we'll see Leo Chanel. We'll see George K. Uh, Brian Cook do something that we're like, we have not seen that in a few years. Yeah. You mentioned it with Tyron Matthew. His first two seasons here, he was physical, man. Yeah. I feel like we all have this, I don't want to say tainted view, but the last thing you saw from Tyron Matthew was him either throwing his hands up in the air or it was him not putting his nose in there. Yep. And we kind of forget how good he was those first two seasons. Um Frank Clark almost to the same extent. Frank Clark was never great here in Kansas City, yeah. but he had some really good moments in the playoffs. He had some good moments 
in big time situations. And so we thought he was this really good player. But before he came to Kansas City, I don't really think many people were saying Frank Clark is an elite pass rusher. For sure. He got an elite pass rusher type of contract. They traded him and high draft picks to bring him in, right? Yeah. But I think our expectations of Frank Clark may have been in the way of what he actually was. Do you think that's also fair to say? Yeah, they not not just the contract, but the Chiefs in their press conference said they had they thought that Frank Clark would be a top five defensive end in the NFL. That's what they said when they brought him in. That lays expectations on him on a fan base that you could never never meet. Okay, Frank Clark at his best was a thirteen sack guy, I believe, in Seattle. We're talking top five guys, clear fifteen just about every year. They get close to it every year. His best season was was 13 and while i was more optimistic about him coming over i'm seeing the errors in my ways like when you go back to his seattle tape he was a pure effort guy and yeah he didn't have to deal with as many athletic quarterbacks it felt like that he just they kind of fell into his lap you had cleanup sacks he didn't a souped up mike dana yeah like that's <laughs> what he is and I, I, it's it's hard because for specifically when you talk about both of those guys, one, both from Michigan. They both played at Michigan. And typically when we think about Michigan defensive ends, even the guys like Aiden Hutchinson, effort. That's you yeah. don't you don't see the huge athletic guys. Now um I just lost my train of thought on who I was gonna talk about, but regardless, David Ojabo, there it is. David Ojabo yeah. was the one exception to that rule who's been hugely athletic and then he gets hurt. So these defensive ends, they're primarily based on effort and you have the mm -hmm. you know you know he meant trump mentions it here is the attitude they, they were trying to change the culture like we, we saw yeah. in 2018 the culture mm -hmm. they wanted to bring that physical and the mental the mentality that we don't have to stand aside when derrick henry comes to town we can stop him that was something that they did and they did a good job at it and then it just went away so it's they're trying it looks like right now that she's trying to correct some of the errors that they made in that judgment process and try to find guys that are always going to have that high motor, but also have some upside in the process. Yeah. And, and I didn't have an issue, I guess, with bringing in guys who were physical, but what was given up and that contract, again, it's always difficult to judge this on a one-off yeah. because when you get a Super Bowl out of it, when you have this many AFC West uh, continuation championships, you have so many AFC championships or at least getting to the AFC championship game, it's tough to really complain, right? But yeah. if you're just looking at the contract itself, Frank Clark, at least to me, that that attitude, what he was brought in for, and that motor, right? He was supposed to never stop. That motor has stopped. And oh, that's yeah. what it just looks like. Um, we've got a few questions here. One from How About Those Chiefs? Uh, is Frank Clark dealing with sickness? He looks thin. John F. says Frank Clark looks like Tom Hanks in Castaway. It looks like that one picture circulating Twitter. Frank Clark does look skinnier, right? Yeah. He looks like he has lost some weight. He still looks cut. He's obviously looks like an athlete, but he does look smaller. Is that something that you're worried about? Or is that maybe a picture or something taken out of context? I think that the picture that's been circulating is photoshopped. Uh, I think that someone yeah. took, cause I've seen the video of him working out and he does look mm -hmm. leaner. He, he looks leaner. I'll give him that. And that might benefit him. Like, I don't know how, what, what's going to happen. If he can keep his physical strength 
the way where it was in the past couple of years and lose a little bit of the weight that maybe he had extra weight on. I don't know. The problem is that we don't ever get to see changes in players weights from year to year on the site. Like it's always mm. the same thing. And we have to assume what weight a player is playing at. So he could have been carrying bad weight last year. This could be his ideal weight. We don't really know. And also weight fluctuates so much from, and I'll just point out when was the video taken? Was it taken sure. in March? Was it taken in April? Like it's June. There, the professional athletes' weight training and way it fluctuates is so much different. It's almost like how an actor can lose so much weight for one movie and then completely put on a ton of weight for a next one in a short amount of time. They know how to do that, do both of those things. So I think that Clark probably is currently trying to get a little bit more of that bulk on in the process leading up to training camp. And then, you know, weight is just such a a fluctuating thing for them that it's hard to really know. But I do think we haven't heard anything about his stomach bug recently, but he could definitely still be dealing with it if it's a chronic issue. Yeah. Yeah. I I would just say it's something to at least keep an eye on, but I wouldn't sound the alarms yet on something like that. Even if he has lost weight, even if it's not Photoshopped, even if that is a real thing, how about those chiefs says he has the video clip from that saying it's not Photoshopped. He said it was taken this past weekend at his football camp in LA. Even if all that is true. Okay. I'm not going to be worried, Mm -hmm. extremely worried about that yet. Just because like you said, Football players, their weight can fluctuate. Maybe he did want to get leaner, thinking that could give him some more speed, make him a little bendier. Uh, I'm just going to at least pump the brakes a little bit on on that Frank Clark picture that is circulating. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As far as OTAs are going at this point, how are you feeling? Like what you hear? Like what you have seen? Where is your level at right here? trying to not get overworked by OTAs clips. Like <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a tough process. We're all fiending for football, anything. So a minute you see Justin Ross catching a one-handed pass down the sideline, we all kind of lose our shit, right? We all just kind of like football, football. We look like inflatable tube men at a used car dealership. We're all just sitting just, here like, woo. <laughs> exactly. Like that's what it is. But you know, I'm content currently because it's hard to, it's hard to know. And a lot of these guys, you're not playing with pads. You're not, you're playing against air and you just kind of, we all get carried away. I, you know, I, I do it too. And I've tried to hone myself. Like I've tried to get more considerate and maybe be a little bit more optimistic about some players here and there, but OTAs are hard, man. They're especially because not everyone's there. So Mahomes hasn't been there. Uh, you know, Sky Moore hasn't been practicing. He's been dealing with the uh, injury. So is McCole Hardman. Right now, you're just kind of hoping that rookies, specifically maybe some newer veterans, are, are flashing. That's all you really want to see, them flash to the coaching staff and, and get out there, just get everything underneath them. Specifically for a guy like Justin Ross, he needs the reps, okay? Yeah. All of last year, dealt with you know his foot injury, which is difficult to recover from for receivers. 
foot injuries linger. Like they are Sammy Watkins guys. Like they linger. Like it's a thing. So I'm hoping that he just can get healthy and get his feet under him. So that's really all I'm looking for about OTAs is seeing guys that are injured, maybe get back on the field, practice here and there. And then guys that are on the field that have dealt with some injuries just to get all of that rust kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think night Hunter or night Hunter on a, on YouTube right now, one of his comments makes me laugh. Buying OTA hype is like buying flight insurance, then taking a train. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm 100% oh, with up, you. Uh, I, I think that's just, it's perfect. I mean, everyone is going to look good. And even if you look bad, I mean, Jamar Chase, right? He couldn't catch couldn't a football catch a and everyone was freaking out. <laughs> yeah, look, 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 we all look stupid now. So take everything with a grain of salt at this point. Take everything pretty much the Chiefs say with a grain of salt at this point. It's so tough. It's just so difficult yep. to get a real good feel. You just want everyone healthy. That's all you want. You want people who can, especially the young guys, learning the playbook, learning the schemes. The Chiefs, we've heard from a lot of different people, players, coaching staff, opposing teams. Very difficult, especially offensively. Andy Reid's playbook is one of the most yep. difficult in the NFL. All you want is guys healthy, being out there, and learning. Let's talk about the wide receivers you and I have had some differing thoughts, right? You and I, we yep. talked about on the radio show uh, yesterday. Um, but let's start with this. Who leads the group in yards? Obviously, we're not counting Travis Kelsey. I think you and I would agree yeah. there, but he's tied in. We're no, no technicalities here, Daniel. Who leads the Chiefs wide receivers in yards? Obviously, the caveat is that everyone stays healthy, optimistically. I will plant my flag in McCole Hardman this year. I think that if they incorporate some of the routes that he ran as a rookie, some of the deeper over routes, get him on that Z rotation. If we go back to the Atlanta game, the Atlanta preseason game, excuse me, last year, they did have him running that Tyreek Hill role as the Z receiver. I think that could be his his way into that, being a little bit better of a route runner, knowing where to be on the field. This offseason is huge for him getting on the same page with Patrick Mahomes, getting not just in the weight room, in my opinion, put on a little bit of weight, a little bit of good muscle, but being able to consistently know the playbook inside, outside, and knowing where you're supposed to be on the field. If he does that, I do think he has the talent to be the lead guy in Kansas City with the most yards. But everything, the, the, big, the biggest reason that I think he will is because of knowledge of the offense. As much as Juju Schuster has done in his pre-Kansas City career, pre-injury career, I think McColl's knowledge of the offense is again assuming that he's gotten on the same page with Patrick this offseason. It's all we have this is assumptions by now. We just have to assume we don't have any other information. So I'm placing a lot of faith in the acceleration, the usage that we've seen the last half of the year from McColl mixed in with more Z aspects of, of wide, the wide receiver position, I think that can get him there myself. So I, I'm not going to be thoroughly upset you picked McCole Harmon because I think that you can almost go with a lot of different guys because Mahomes has said yeah, this offense is exactly. predicated on spreading the ball out. I've said it myself. I don't think any receiver gets over 1,000 yards. I think Travis Kelsey does, but again, that's yeah. a tight end. I think Harbin will get maybe around 750, 800. I 
think you'll have a lot of the same things that happened last year towards the end of his season when they found the best role to put him in, AKA those wide receiver screens, right? Yeah. Those were all basically plays to McCall. It wasn't just, you know, you run around and then you're my third guy. I hit you. It's no, this play is designed for McCall Hardman. And I think it's going to limit his upside. I almost think Hardman, even as young as he is, even though we've seen some progression, I almost want to say he is what he is. Mm-hmm. He's not a great route runner, but that is something you can work on. I just, I want to almost take a step back. I've been so optimistic in the past about Hardman at some player. I have to, at some point I have to say, you know what, maybe this just is who he is and let me wait until I see it. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to lead the Kansas city chiefs as a wide receiver and receiving yards. I just think he's going to be targeted a lot. I think that Mahomes will find him as a check down guy. Uh, I know it's not a super bold take, but Mm -hmm. if I want to be honest, that's the way I think I'm going to go. Uh, I like MVS a lot. I like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think he's improved his game, but he is still such a unknown, right? Uh, He's such an unknown. And even though his measurables just are off the charts, right? He's like 6'4". He's extremely fast. I I just, again, I want to see it. If he couldn't do it with Aaron Rodgers, what makes me think he's going to do it with Mahomes? Now you can say Devontae Adams dug into his target share, but Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey will as well. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of a wash. Um, and then Sky Moore, he's a rookie. You know, I, I really like Sky Moore. I think he's a NFL-ready week one r- wide receiver. He's a great route runner. He's got massive hands. Johnny Benchian hands, right? Oh, they're so big. Like, it's <laughs> crazy. He's like, hands. <laughs> dude is my size with just freaking baseball mitts for, for hands. But again, he's a rookie, and it takes a while for that to happen. So I know it's not the sexy pick, but I'm going with Juju. Yeah, I think we're going to find out very early in the season how they plan on using. Actually, we're going to find out in, in training camp and the preseason how they're going to use McCole Hardman. That's going to give us a clue. If it's just a bunch of gadget stuff, yeah, he's probably not going to lead the Chiefs in, rece- in receptions and receiving yards. But this whole offense is going to distribute the ball, like you said. Like like Mahomes has mentioned, they want to get into a more distributive nature, which I think will benefit everybody. And specifically, it could really help Clyde Edwards-Alaire get to the ceiling that we've all hoped to see from him. I don't think he's going to ever be an elite running back type of prospect in the NFL period. That's just, he doesn't have the speed to do that. But if you actually use him in the pass catching department, when you look at the guys behind him, he's got a pretty good shot of leading them in targets and receptions. (laughs) I think that they can finally use his abilities properly. You have, Juju and you have McColl if you want to use him as a gadget partner. You also have Ty- uh, Travis Kelsey to take away some of those, the attention that brings some gravity to the middle of the field. Then you can really start to use Clyde a little bit in those passing situations. So I'm looking forward to that as well. He could be a surprise as maybe like the second or third leading receiver on the team. I don't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't rule that out either. So there's a lot of, a lot of guys on this team that could contribute. There's a lot of guys on this team that might not. And that's yeah. going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. I think that, most people are down on Marquez Valdez-Scantling being a guy because, again, he was like you said, he was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and just never really maybe got the opportunity to be the guy. He might have that opportunity here, but from what I've seen on film, he's not going to be given a very long leash. Let's just say yeah. that. <laughs> My thing here is, even though I might not be incredibly excited about one specific player, mm-hmm. I think as a overall group, I am excited. 
I do think Sky Moore does things, and I do think that as a rookie, he might not be able to showcase what all he can do. Just it's tough in an Andy Reid system as a rookie to make a massive impact. Again, same thing with Michael Hardman. I think mm-hmm. while I'm not super enthused as him being this go out and get it, not a thousand yard guy, he is useful in his role. He is useful in what he can do. MVS, same thing. MVS yeah. is, he can be a red zone threat. He is a guy who's extremely fast. who can catch a bomb. Juju Smith-Schuster can do a lot of things well also. So while I'm not, maybe it's, it's not Tyreek Hill, right? Yeah. We know that. We know it's not what the Chiefs were with the explosiveness of Tyreek Hill and when Sammy Watkins was healthy. But as far as top to bottom, there's a lot of versatility, which I think might be maybe getting overlooked, right? Even though mm-hmm. you lost Tyreek Hill, the – Two through four, two through five, I think is better than the Byron Pringle, the Demarcus Robinson, that type of group. Yeah, we'll, we're going to see how that is this year. Again, if Juju can come back and be reminiscent of what he was in 2020, which still isn't the player he was in 2018, the, then a wide receiver one with Antonio Brown on his opposite side, he can at least give you an option to create separation underneath. If he can do that, that's all you're looking for. If MVS could be, what's up? I'm going to say really quickly, do you think though, because you, with Juju Smith-Schuster, we know his best season was with Antonio Brown. Obviously, yep. after that, it was a little disappointing and then it was injuries. But do you think that Travis Kelsey, even though he's a tight end, would allow Juju to have that sort of renaissance that he had with Antonio Brown? I don't think so. Mostly because I think the athleticism is gone. From from for a majority of the aspect, we don't we don't know. He as soon as he had that year, he dropped off. He wasn't the same player. W- why was it because of the offense? Was it because they started to run his route his route tree a little differently? Did did he get injured before his ma- massive injury? Like what do we know? We don't really know anything. Well, they rolled out weekend at <laughs> Bernie as their quarterback. That's what happened. Well, it, it was it, a it happened after, but it was still <laughs> he was better than he was the last two years. <laughs> in 2019 the year after his great season and it still it still wasn't there so we'll find out i'm i'm hoping i'm very hopeful that he's at least what he was in 2020 because that is a guy that can play physically over the middle of the field and catch the ball and create a little bit of separation which is all you're asking for you're not asking yeah. him to be what he was in 2018 2017 you're not asking for that so that's that's really what it is and i'm hoping that just the presence of travis kelsey can kind of open everybody else up and what this comes down to for me is the wide receiver group having versatile skill sets. Can Patrick Mahomes now elevate everybody? Because at times he did it last year. We saw it with Byron Pringle to an extent with Demarcus Robinson. But for the most part, he's funneled targets to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill all of his career. He's going to be asked now to be a more defensive reading finding more zones holes in the zones that he has to kind of not trust players. He didn't like not trusting guys last year. He's going to have to be a little bit more open with that, with the rookie two veterans and then hoping that a running back in Clyde. So maybe somebody else can contribute to the offense. So he's kind of stepping into new waters as well. So he's going to be asked to carry more of a mental load in this offense than he ever has been before. Before we get to Justin Ross, because I know a lot of people want to talk about Justin Ross. I want to hear your thoughts on Justin Ross. I want to talk first about two guys. One guy I feel like is getting hyped up a lot, and I feel like for no reason. And then one guy (laughs) was drafted last year who no one is talking about. First off, Cornell Powell. 
Fifth round draft pick last year. I was not excited about the draft pick when it happened. Uh, I think his upside to me, his his peak, his ceiling is Demarcus Robinson. That's fine, right? Demarcus Robinson, as much as people like to rip on him, he's fine if he's your your fifth guy, a guy who's a good blocker, does the little things well. Hopefully he doesn't run backwards like he did. But Demarcus Robinson was a valuable member of this team for a while. Have you heard anything about Cornell Powell and what do you think his future is here in Kansas City? Not a damn thing. They have kept the <laughs> lid absolutely tight on my guy. He is my guy. And it makes me I so had, upset. I, I had to throw that dig at you because when he was drafted, I was like, why? Why? I, what, see, what, what does he bring? Part of it was I was so excited because I called it. Like I did, I made a whole video about guys that could target on day three. I, ta- I talked about Cornell Powell and they drafted him. I was like, yes, one of the guys that I talked about. Like I was so excited. And then I let a six game sample size completely just <laughs> ruin my entire aspect of being an unbiased film watcher. Um, but I will say, he has some speed. He's a four four seven guy. He ran. He ran a four four seven forty. So I personally see his ceiling more of a Byron Pringle kind of guy who can give you an explosive play every now and then. If he can be again based off of absolutely no information, thank you Kansas City, of his development <laughs> in the offseason and before that, we don't we don't have a damn clue. And it makes me so mad. They're so good at hiding these things and just keeping tight lips on it. So. I'm more optimistic about him turning into a Byron Pringle. If he can be an end of the roster guy now, again, a late bloomer, a guy who didn't play because there was so much talent and just couldn't, just couldn't beat him out. He just wasn't that talented. But when he got on the field, he became Trevor Lawrence's safety valve. He threw in the ball down the field all the time and he caught it. He would just get it. He would just find ways to catch the football. I think guys like that are important. And especially at the back end of the roster, not as your two or your three, Mind you, that was the biggest problem with Byron Pringle. We would have been very happy if he was the five all of his career in Kansas City, but he was asked to be more than that. And it's just not his, it's just not his his wheelhouse. So if you can get a Powell at the end of the roster that can contribute on special teams, can give you some reps every now and then and just be con just be in the spots you're supposed to be at when you need to be them. That's all you can really ask for. Yeah, that's how I felt with Demarcus Robinson. When he was asked yeah. to be the number three, you're sitting here screaming. But when he's your number five doing some of the little things, like I mentioned, he was a very good run blocker, did yeah. a lot of things in, in space that really helped out. You just hated him running backwards. And when he's your number three, that just gets magnified. Yeah. Uh, Josh Gordon is the other name that I want yeah. to talk about before we get to Justin Ross. Josh Gordon is a, a almost divisive name in Kansas city for a guy who's played what like six games here i wasn't super happy when they brought him in i didn't mind it right i wasn't someone who was irritated they gave josh gordon another chance here that part i'm fine with but to me the part that irritated me was more the fan base who was sitting here saying oh josh gordon's gonna be like he was in cleveland because mahomes is throwing him the ball this that and the other he's not really been that guy since what 2015 2015 it's, it's it's been so long I, i've lost count like he's what he was in seattle even in new england wasn't even a fraction he was more of a fraction of the player he's ever been just he, he's a, a big body that you're hoping they can catch the ball in, in contested situations and he yeah. couldn't do it he just he couldn't it's like i 
I'm fine with it. I just don't understand this hype train yeah. surrounding him. And now I keep hearing, well, now it's his second year yeah. in an Andy Reid system. And it, and it just comes down, at least to me, I guess I'm more cautious when it comes to former stars like this. Yeah. Sky Moore, I'm, I'm very happy with. I'm very excited to see what he can become. Uh, George Karloftis, extremely excited on the defensive side of the ball. But but guys like like Josh Gordon, uh, I, I just I want to pump the brakes and say it's a wait and see for me. Honestly, I don't know if he makes the roster. I don't. I, if, if it were me, I, I don't think he makes a team. He was dropping the ball. He looked lost at times on the field. Um, maybe the second year in the system helps him out, but doesn't help the hands. Like, that's not – if you have bricks for hands, that ain't going to help. I don't know if it was just the time off. I don't know if it was rust. But even the touchdown that he scored, everyone kept sitting here saying, well, look, he scored a touchdown. Anyone could have scored that touchdown. The Chiefs did that on purpose. Yes, that did. was a drawn-up play to make it look like Josh Gordon, in my opinion, did something. I have nothing against Josh Gordon. I love that he got another chance. I'm fine they brought him in. I just don't feel like he is this guy who's going to take this receiving court to the next level. I just don't know what he brings. Um, let's get to Justin Ross now. I know a lot of folks want to talk about Justin Ross. I'll start with you first. Where is your, I guess, confidence level in Justin Ross? And do you think he makes the 53? I need to see him on the field with pads now but before I can actually make a decision because we're, we're talking about – a player whose best season was in 2019. He's dealt with injuries ever since, period, okay? So the idea that he's just going to come in and be what he was, that's most people's under – that's what I think I've seen most of. Like, it's like People don't like the fact that I'm divisive a little bit about it, the fact that I'm not confident he can be that player, and I get a lot of crap for it because I have <laughs> this opinion that he might not be the same player he, that he was three years ago. And most people are like, no, he's just going to ball. Okay. If he was going to ball, he would have been drafted. I'll tell you that right now. If, if the NFL teams were super confident that he was going to just ball out, this injury was behind him, they would have drafted him. First off. Second off, as a UDFA and as a guy who's dealt with injuries just about every single year since he was in high school, there's mm-hmm. a problem. And foot injuries for wide receivers are extremely – can be – sorry, I won't say are – can be extremely finicky and difficult mm-hmm. to ever get back the athleticism that you had, specifically in your short area, your ankle flexion, and the ability to create natural separation on your route running. It's very difficult. It can be – you might not ever get that back. I will say this. I never, ever root against players, ever. Josh Gordon, hope he balls out. Justin Ross, make the roster. Please have a 1,000-yard season. Please help the Chiefs out. Anybody, do whatever you can. I will not place blind faith in the fact that he can be a 2019 receiver again. I can't. And the biggest thing, I joke around about the the videos in his OTAs, like, oh, I'm in, I'm all in. Like, see the catch, (laughs) I just pulled the tweet. Like, I said, I'm all in, guys. Like, I, I will have fun with it. I will. But I can't in good conscience tell you that he's going to one make the roster. And then when he does, he's just going to be the number one receiver on this team. I, I just, I and I, I, I hope that people don't take this as a shot at whoever does 
have all the faith in the world that you want to be confident in these players. That's your prerogative. You're a fan. I want you to do that. I want you to be enthusiastic about players that are on the Kansas city. That's awesome. you be as happy as you want. My own personal feelings have to try to at least parse it out. I did a poor job of doing that with Cornell Powell last year. (laughs) Poor job, poor, very poor. And I'm trying to learn from that mistake. But no, I'm with you. It, it, it's not fun if we just sit here and tell everyone and blow smoke up your ass. Just saying, yeah. every receiver's catching a thousand yards. Mahomes is throwing for six thousand. He's going to break every single record. Chiefs are going undefeated. Mm-hmm. That's being a fan. We're out here trying to break down what we see. We're trying to use our best judgment, and my best judgment is, unless Justin Ross plays special teams, I could see it being an uphill battle to him making the roster. Yep. I know the Chiefs medical staff cleared him, right? And that's what Brett Veach said. He goes, they know more than me. And let's be real, they know more than us, obviously. Yep, obviously. <laughs> so if they cleared him, maybe that means they think that he is good to go and play special teams. But if you are a fifth, sixth receiver on this team, you're probably playing special teams in some aspect. And mm-hmm. I just don't know if that spinal injury, I don't know if that foot injury, which is the injury yep. I bring up a lot because I'm with you. I think the foot injury is getting completely overlooked. I don't know if those would keep him from playing special teams. And if that's the case, that could keep him off the roster. The one thing I will say, the Chiefs have so much secondary help. There's so many secondary players. And we have seen the Chiefs try to get more physical. I don't know if that's a step in the Chiefs saying, we're going to try and put more secondary pieces on special teams. And maybe if that's the case, Justin Ross can make the roster as the fifth option and play wide receiver without playing special teams. That's the one thing I would say. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And again, when we talk about like a return guy, for example, Byron Pringle was that last year. I think Pachenko is going to make this roster as a returner, which will take mm-hmm. take some problems off of the wide receiver. Needing McCall Hardman to be a returner, needing a, a fifth or sixth receiver to be, I think you can have Pacheco be that. So it takes some necessity away from having to play special teams some, for some of these wide receivers. So it could allow Ross to make it as the fifth or sixth guy. And again, like you said, not have to worry about it. All right. Before we get out of here, not Chiefs. Have you seen Top Gun? I have the first one or the second one? The second one. I have not seen the second one. Okay, I feel like you and I are the same page here then. Everyone keeps saying I look like Miles Teller, the dude who played, is it Rooster? With the mustache Yes, I believe that's true. I've seen the clips of him, so I I do, I think that there's a little bit of resemblance. I don't think it's like too (laughs) too much, but there's a little bit there. I was kind of thinking a skinny Andy Reid. That's what I was going for. Like pre-cheesesteak, uh, pre-punk pass <laughs> kick when he was 13. Maybe like a six-year-old Andy Reid, because I'm pretty sure he came out with just a fickle walrus stash. I yeah, I think know. that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> you're going for it. I think you're, you're there. But if you want to really commit, you'd have to gain like 10 pounds at least. Just to really hit Ten? that. <laughs> how, how much do you think I weigh, Dan? What do you think I'm doing under here? Oh my gosh, 10 pounds, Dan? I said I commit think, to it. If you want to commit to it, that's only if you want to. You just called me a thick fella. You just oh, I said did. I was sturdy. You know what? If I'm if I just need 10 pounds, put me at edge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that right? Uh, well, you seem to misunderstand how how heavy I am, but that's okay. Yeah, I know Daniel I don't told me he's 6'5, like 270. I said I'm 265. Uh, which I oh, am. Five pounds. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's factually true. This is a fact. <laughs> and I measured uh, myself, I'm six four and a half. 
So okay, we'll do a combine. We'll do a combine. <laughs> you, me, Matt Verderam, Patrick Allen, Matt Connor. We'll do a combine. That sounds fun to me. Um, guys, we appreciate all you guys who who comment, who watch mm-hmm. this, who check Thank us out. So that honestly means the world. Everyone in Discord who comments, you guys can always join. It's in the YouTube channel. It's right down there. You'll see it in the uh, uh, not the comments, but the the details. You'll see how to join there. I'm not technologically savvy. Come on. <laughs> no guy with a mustache is technologically savvy. I'm 78. I mowed my lawn today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Daniel Harms, if you want to follow him, you can at nharmsway19 on Twitter. Uh, honestly, some of the best breakdowns in the game. His Twitter account's fantastic. If you want to see anywhere from a five-second clip to a great breakdown, he has that all. Uh, you can find him also on RGR Football as well as Fantasy Football Astronauts. Guys, we're out of here. Thursday, I'm pretty sure Patrick Allen and Matt Verderin will be here. We appreciate you guys, all your support. If you want to leave us a comment, you can anywhere you get your podcasts. Until Thursday, we are out. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.